You're listening to Season 7, Episode number 7 of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is Joe Hanley, President of Asian Access. He is also the author of the forthcoming book tentatively titled Polycentric Mission Leadership. Uh, what is this? And why is it growing in popularity in missiological circles? And what does it look like in reality? So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. If you've heard me talk over the past year, you read my blog post, you've, you've listened to other episodes of Strike the Match, you know that one of the things that is a major concern within the mission community uh, throughout the world is the issue of the uh, growth of the majority world church. I mean, back when I wrote Pressure Points, I see that as one of the big critical issues that uh, the church uh, is experiencing right now. And, and I don't say it's a critical issue in a negative way at all. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, you think about what the Lord has done over centuries of going into the world in all different directions and how people from all nations have been coming to faith and how the gospel and the spirit uh, the Word, have worked together to bring about, sanctify individuals and societies, plant churches, and that multiplication effect that has occurred, um, that is just a wonderful thing that we should all be thankful for. But we we know that some of us in the traditionally Western part of the world, and obviously you know, me and my North American context, uh, some of us have been out of touch with what God has been doing throughout the world. And oftentimes when it comes to leadership matters and partnering with majority world believers and other uh, parts of the world, uh, sometimes we... We, uh, we look uh, inward and we focus on ourselves. Um, but today I am excited to introduce you to a resource that's going to be coming out very soon at the time of this podcast uh, that has been written by, by Joe Hanley. Some of you know Joe. He is the uh, president of Asian Access. Uh, he's been there since 2008. Uh, he is a co-catalyst for leadership development with the Lausanne Movement. He previously served as the founding director of uh, Azusa Pacific. University's um, um, Office of uh, World Mission, and he was also a lead pastor at uh, Rolling Hills Covenant Church. Uh, this brother, as uh, many of you know, has a great heart for developing leaders and seeing missional movements happen throughout the world, and he's got a book that we're going to be talking about today, and it is on the issue of a phrase that some of you may not be familiar with. It's on the issue of what's called polycentric leadership. And so that's going to be our topic of conversation today. I think it's an incredibly, incredibly important topic for uh, what is going on in uh, the work of the church throughout the world. And so, Joe, brother, I'm so thankful that you're with us. So welcome to Strike the Match. Great to be with you, J.D., and thanks for having me. Hey, I, we, how long have we known each other? It's been several years. Oh, I think we've known each other at least 13 years, but probably uh, maybe known about each other before that, I'm sure. Yeah, and I, th I think um, over time, we I've even met some folks who have been connected with uh, with Asian Access as well. And so I just appreciate your ministry and all that you have been doing there. Hey, for the listeners that are not familiar with uh, the organization where you serve as president, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your ministry and the um, the agency? Sure. Thank you, J.D. 
great, uh, great to share with everybody. Um, Asian Access is an accelerator. Uh, we began 54 years ago, initially as an English teaching ministry uh, to reach Japanese people for Christ. And uh, we've always been on the innovation edge, looking for where is God, God is moving. Uh, about every five to 10 years, bringing some new innovation cycle to who we are. Today, the, the tip of the point for us is leadership development. Mm. So we come alongside key leaders and help accelerate them in the mission that God has called them to. Uh, we often say that we change the few who change the many. Mm. So we focus mm. on just a few people at a time, usually 12 to 15, uh, walking with them through a two-year journey, uh, investing deeply in their lives, and that becomes catalytic. For them, both in their own personal growth, uh, their walk with God, their character, uh, their ability to reproduce disciple makers, but also in their missional activity. Uh, and we've seen mighty movements of God. Um, church planting movements in Nepal and Mongolia have birthed really, in essence, from Asian access. Uh, we, we still have a crew in Japan. Uh, that's the only place we have missionaries. We partner with SIM. Uh, to do that. And those missionaries are involved in that same line of business, really coming alongside local indigenous leaders, empowering them, accelerating them in the mission that God has called them to. You have been uh, president of uh, Asian Access for many years. You've been there since uh, 2008. I am, I'm certain that you have seen a, a lot of change, a lot of transition and j transition happening since that period of time. What, 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 what has it been like leading an organization to do what you just shared with us among some of the most challenging places on the planet? Oh, it's been uh, an enormous journey. Um, I, I'd say the world has changed radically since I started. <laughs> it, it just, that's an understatement, I know. Um, it, but it, it kind of began with some tumultuous times that I think helped uh, pave the road for us in making adjustments as we go. So the year I joined the mission was 2008 when the economy collapsed, uh, <laughs> before the most recent collapse. Uh, so that was a, a crazy time. And trying to figure out how do you build a sustainable movement in the midst of a faltering economy. That was uh, stage one. I, mm. I, I'd say stage two for me was global crisis stage, where we had the triple disaster that hit Japan yes. in 2011. Oh, mm. And just a few years after that, the big earthquake that hit Nepal. Mm -hmm. Asian Access has a, a large footprint in those two nations. And so we were integrally involved in really, how do you catalyze the movement of God, accelerating church planting in the midst of natural disaster? And that was a tremendous learning experience. And I'll never forget the wisdom coming from Japanese leaders about the uh, holistic nature of the gospel and how important it is to integrate kind of those two arms of reaching out in the love of Christ but also being evangelistic and leading to church planting movements. Mm -hmm. So that was, I'd say, a, a second kind of rendition of who we are. And now we're in this age of polarization. And I'd say we're kind of on the cresp of a, a, a new uh, era with the life of mission. So all within these 13 years, I've uh, been with Asian Access. And uh, the future is unique. As you were talking on the front end of our 
conversation. Uh, just the idea of the majority world rising. Mm -hmm. uh, 13 years ago, it was kind of talked about, um, referenced, but today it is front and central. And so now we have missions going from everywhere to everywhere. And uh, that's a fun dynamic to watch. All of a sudden, Asian access, uh, you know, where we do send missionaries is Japan. Now we have recruits from multiple continents who will serve in Japan. So that that's fun. Uh, in addition to our work with uh, leadership development, we not only you know send uh, Westerners to teach, but these are we also have alumni from all over Asia that are bouncing back and forth, cross pollinating, and 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 giving fresh and new perspective. A few years ago, we launched a new series called Eastern Voices. Uh, we believe that oftentimes the world hears a little too much from us, those of us in the West. And so we're trying to magnify voices that are unheard, mm. um, those pastors that people don't hear about. Uh, we, we know that God's doing some amazing things through them as they delve deeply into his word. And I think the Western church really needs to hear from them. So that that is another key part of what I've seen in these last 13 years. Well, today we're, we're digging into uh, another resource of a book that you have written uh, yourself, and it's along those lines of the issue of, of leadership development. So I, I know that at the time of this recording, uh, while it's in the hands of the publisher, uh, the um, uh, some of the details are being being worked out. Can, can you give us an idea? I know. Tell us what you can tell us about the book as far as like title, publisher, estimated uh, date of publication. Great, thanks, JD. So the the title of the book at this point is Polycentric Mission Leadership. And it flew, it came right out of uh, the dissertation I wrote last year. So that was the title of that book or that dissertation. Uh -huh. And this is a remake of the dissertation for the rest of the world. It's kind of taking the esoteric academic thing and, and making it accessible for yes. the average Joes like me. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the Polycentric Mission Leadership will be the likely title. It's going to be published by a publisher called Regnum Press out of mm -hmm. Oxford, uh, England. And in America, uh, they use uh, Fortress Press as their uh, kind of publishing agent this side of the ocean. So be with Regnum and with Fortress. And it's due to be released either the end of 2021 this year or the beginning of 2022. Very good, very good. So, uh, as you're all listening to this right now, keep keep an eye out uh, for uh, the release of of this uh, particular work. Joe, we are going to have to talk about this concept called polycentrism. Uh, I know that that's uh, not what's in the tentative title of the book, but it uh, but it's it's an element of obviously what's behind that book. So, explain to us what what is this concept. Yeah, it's a concept I, I kind of fell into during my research as I was looking at different ways to do leadership, and I was sensing an angst. I would say in most of my leadership uh, history and mission, I was sensing that the way we approach things is not really um, uh, effective for um, the way we need to see the world moving. Um, and the way to best kind of embody Christ's love to the world. 
So I looked at it in, in depth and, and found a book that was fascinating called Polycentric Missiology by a professor named Alan Yeh. Mm -hmm. yes. um, Alan, Alan was basically looking at the Lausanne Congress of 2010 and uh, stretching back to Edinburgh 1910. And he, his, his interesting idea was this. In 1910, there was one Congress that showcased mission from, from one region of the world to the rest, in essence. Mm -hmm. yes. But by 2010, there was not just one Congress. There was multiple Congresses uh, mm -hmm. that happened that year that were celebrating the centenary of that event. And therefore, he, he was surmising that the world has gone from a unicentrifugal centrifugal force, I guess, to a polycentric uh, force. And that idea that you're asking about really talks about different uh, bodies from different regions moving uh, forward to get something moving. Uh, uh, so, for instance, a good example might be the way the European Union works. Um, and I, I know that there's, there's arguments about whether that's good or bad, but uh, that would be a more polycentric uh, force where different countries are working together towards one uh, common united cause. Or you could say the United States of, of America in a different sense. You've got different states that are part of a union uh, moving forward. And so that, that's that concept of polycentrism, pulling from many parts and many poles and many regions to bring one voice, one leadership, one uh, direction. So help us help us to think through the why question. So what why is is what you're advocating important for for Great Commission work today? Excellent question. I, I have found that um, when you're unidirectional, you the margins are left out, mm. and voices are being missed missed from the perspective of where you're going. And so when you're leading in a top-down fashion or a CEO kind of, you know, business model of, of uh, a mission or, or NGO, um, you're really missing key voices that are emerging from the world. It's like I spoke about earlier with that idea of the Eastern voices. The world is missing out from hearing from the margins. And those are critical pieces for helping us discern the will of God. Uh, understanding the scriptures. Uh, it, it's amazing. I can be sitting in Brazil or Tokyo or Afghanistan or somewhere and uh, sitting and listening to pastors or local indigenous leaders start to explain the word of God. And it comes out in brand new light for me because of the cultural lens that they bring and the understanding and perspective mm -hmm. they have. And so the, the, I think the why question is, we need everybody uh, to be speaking into the movement of God and where we're going. And if we're going to have Brazilians working alongside of um, Spaniards and working alongside Singaporeans, mm -hmm. then we have to understand each other to work better together. That's such a such a great point because you know the, the there is no one uh, individual or group 
uh, in the world that, that has a monopoly on on the Holy Spirit. And we, we're all filled with, uh, with the dynamic uh, Spirit of God, and He's given us wisdom, and the body of Christ is diverse on so many different levels. And, and so the importance of, of bringing more and more people to the table for conversation and, uh, and interaction is, is so critical. Do you see uh, mission groups shifting more and more toward this paradigm of polycentric leadership that you're advocating? Oh, it's fascinating. You know, I was just in a lecture series for the Oxford Center for Mission Studies. And uh, during that, uh, that lecture series, we were presenting different case studies of missions that have made this shift. Um, and sadly, one of the presenters uh, said that actually not enough of us are. Hmm. Um, she would like to see many more making this shift because of this concept of the why that you asked about earlier. We really need the full body of Christ to be speaking into where we're going and how we're going to get there. And so not enough are there. That said, J.D., this is fascinating. Right when my Ph.D. was complete, all of a sudden it was like steroids were injected into <laughs> it. And everybody and their brother wants to hear about this concept. Yes. <laughs> so uh, you may have heard the Lausanne movement for their 2024 Congress has designed the whole uh, listing process around this idea of polycentrism. Yes. So it is the core mechanism for listening and hearing what's happening out there so that we know better by 2024 in Seoul where to go from here. That's just one example. There's many, um, ever since uh, the mission commission of the WA met uh, a few years ago, they really honed in on this idea of polycentric mission. And I think there's at least four or five missions now that are actively pursuing this idea of a polycentric leadership model. I think that this this word uh, polycentric uh, is going to become uh, very much a part of um, uh, the the nomenclature uh, throughout the world. Just like we use phrases such as uh, unreached people groups, unengaged unreached people groups, uh, particularly as we get closer and closer to uh, twenty uh, um, twenty four. Uh, with the Lausanne uh, conversations that are happening right now. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. And it, it just seems to be momentum is, is building in a substantial way. And, and I'm just fascinated by it. I literally thought when I finished the dissertation, I thought, oh man, this is boring. <laughs> it's going to sit, it's going to sit on the seminary, you know, library shelf and collect dust. And holy cow, who would have imagined Oh. What's happening with the idea? <laughs> so let's let's talk practical for a second. Let's let's kind of move this to you know what what does this look like? Because here's here's what I'm imagining, Joe. I'm imagining you get a diverse group of people around the table from different perspectives, different parts of the world, different um, uh, backgrounds, and they all contribute. They all contribute great things, uh, but as a leadership team. Uh, part of me is saying, how do you make any decisions? If you've got five, 10 people around a table, I mean, how, how does anything happen uh, at the end of the day? You know, what, what if a consensus cannot be reached? I mean, uh, you know, who ultimately has to make the decision? I mean, how, how does one just practically see change and movement happen with a polycentric leadership model in place? 
Uh, that's an excellent question. Let me give you a story from Peter Drucker, uh, the, the famous management guru mm -hmm. yeah. uh, from the Claremont University, um, who's passed away. And he loved the Japanese um, people. And he especially loved the way that Japanese do business. And he compared the Western world to the Japanese world. And it was fascinating. He said, Westerners, particularly Americans, they like to get in a meeting, hash everything out in the meeting, and then make a decision and go. And uh, they just run with it. Mm -hmm. And invariably, there's huge mistakes that happen. Um, and they're always having to make course corrections because of some huge flaw in the system. He said, the Japanese uh, are different in that they take forever, especially for those of us that are Americans, <laughs> <laughs> to come to consensus. And it, it just takes a lot of, there's a Japanese world called, word called nemawashi. It means digging up the roots. Hmm. And it, it's about the relational conversations you need to have before a meeting. And really, all the important conversations happen before the meeting. Whereas in an American or Western culture, oftentimes the, the conversations happened in the meeting. Mm -hmm. So in the Japanese context, Drucker was so impressed because once everyone was on board, everything was already mostly fine-tuned. And it went through uh, more effectively, more efficiently, and more rapidly in mm. the longer term. Wow. And I'd say that uh, that is a great example of how polycentrism can be more effective, um, that you've really hashed it out well ahead of time. And you're, you're, you, you've thought through things, you've got a great deal of ownership, and then you can move stuff forward. So back to your uh, example of a decision. Uh, I will put it in the context of Wikipedia. Maybe you've heard of that. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> my authoritative source of everything. Yeah, I yeah, do. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the interesting thing about Wikipedia is that anybody can contribute. Even Joe Handley can make a change <laughs> in a Wikipedia page, which is a little scary. You know, you don't want me uh, uh, giving um, scientific uh, changes to Wikipedia for those articles, right? Um, but Wikipedia. Wikipedia has a small central core that holds the, the core values of Wikipedia together. And they're like an editing team at the center. And so while everyone can contribute, there is at the end of the day a small core that is the decision-making body saying, that's okay, that's not okay. Hmm. And, but they're listening to everybody. Everybody and their brother contributes to Wikipedia if they want to. Mm -hmm. But there's a course corrective at the center. And I, I think the, the best picture of polycentric leadership is similar to that. One more example. The difference between Al-Qaeda and the Arab Spring. So they were both social movements. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one was a flash in the pan. Big move, Arab Spring, you know, massive change. And then all of a sudden, it disappeared. However, Al-Qaeda was different. It was also a social movement, but it's one that has sustainable change. And the difference is this. The same principle as Wikipedia. 
there's a small group at the center of Al-Qaeda and there's outskirts, outskirts of it, ISIS, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that have a, a kind of an editing body at the, at the core that keep it moving and keep it focused on the core central tenets. And so that's how, in essence, you hear from everyone. But at the end of the day, there are times where you have to make uh, some executive decisions to move things forward. At Asian Access, we say this. uh, We don't say this publicly, but we say it internally because it's not the greatest slogan in the world. We say, Asian Access, we're small, but then again, we're slow. (laughs) That's that's not going to carry a mission very far, right? But the power of it is immense. And here's why. By going small and going slow, just like Drucker said, you build enormous relational capital. You build huge ownership. And we're a volunteer movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that depth of relationship, the quality of commitment to that is very powerful. And so I, I think there's a lot of uh, richness to going small and slow. And think about it. When Jesus was on earth, he had three ways of doing leadership development in, in my mind. I, I'm sure you could you know, detail it further. But he had a few episodes where he spoke to the thousands, Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. um, you know, feeding the 5,000, those types of situations. He had a few more episodes where he spoke in synagogues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but where did he spend most of his time? Yeah, with, a, Just with 12, that few. 12 yeah. people, right? Mm-hmm. 12 people. He spent three years in depth with 12 people, and he said, go change the world. Um, of course, the Holy Spirit's behind there empowering it. But um, that idea of investing deeply in 12 has a lot of richness to it. Mm. And I think the multiplication that can come from that is powerful. The reproducibility of that is enormous. And and that's how we move from just popular flash-in-your-pan evangelism to in-depth discipleship that can be rapidly reproducing. So we're talking about uh, Joe's uh, upcoming book, uh, Polycentric Mission Leadership. I've had the uh, the the blessing of being able to to see a, uh, a rough draft of this work. Uh, Joe draws from uh, a lot of different uh, elements, uh, a lot of good research that's found here. Uh, Joe, I'm going I'm to push back on you for a second. I, I'm reading through this, I bought your book, and man, I'm seeing a lot of social movement theory talked about. Um, I'm, I'm reading a lot about just organizational leadership. You already mentioned Drucker. Yeah. Um, man, are, aren't you just sharing with us some kind of secular kind of approach and trying to, you know, you know, push this onto the church that, you know, it's really coming. It, this is more worldly stuff than anything from the Lord. Well, that's fascinating. Great question. And uh, I could see how people might think that way. However, it's interesting that it is the uh, majority world theologians and missiologists that are really excited about this concept. And the one questioning it the most are kind of Western um, theologians and miss mm-hmm. not not all of them, but a few. And um, I think that's fascinating. Uh, at the core, it, really, I do a biblical deep dive uh, right. that needs more research in, in theory. The reason I had to use social movement theory 
and um, leadership development theory is that in order to do a PhD, you have to have a theoretical proof of your yes. idea. You have yes. to show some credibility, right? Yes. And so I, I use those to complement the learning, if that makes sense. Yes. So the, the essence and ideas really flow from more missiology and theology, but to complement them and kind of give further breadth and depth to the theoretical part of it, I had to dig into social movement theory. Now, now get this. This is what's interesting to me. Um, I actually propose a theory in the thesis that's fascinating, and I, I hope people will wrestle with it. I call it a trinitarian form of leadership. Mm -hmm. And this is remember, this is the thing. J yeah, this is the thing that's fascinating to me, JD. It's the majority world uh, people that are actually loving it. And I have a few Western scholars that are saying, now, wait a minute here. How can, how can the Trinity be polycentric, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, but if you look at the dynamic of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there's a lot of missiologists that talk about a Trinitarian form of mission, the dynamic of the personalities of the Father working with the Son and working with the Spirit, Embedded in that is an intrinsic way of collaboration. And when you're talking about polycentric leadership, one of the core tenets is collaboration. Mm. And I think the way the Father, Spirit, and Son modeled that for us is powerful. Fast forward a little bit to modern church growth theory in America. I think it's fascinating. Most of the church growth experts I talk to and many of my friends that are uh, pastors of mega churches, and I, I, they have their place. I'm not downing them, but a lot of them uh, talked about a mosaic mantle of leadership. How it needs to be a prophetic voice, sort of a lot like business books that talk about the CEO telling you where to go and what to do. Um, and they were adopting that for the uh, mega churches situation. Mm -hmm. Here's what's fascinating about the mosaic story to me. When, when Moses is first called to be a leader, uh, he's at a burning bush. And he says, I don't speak so well. And what does God do? He sends him a partner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. He says, hey, I'm going to let Aaron help you. He can speak for you. And so even this mosaic idea, there's a partnership embedded into it. Fast forward to Moses is leading the people of Israel. And his father-in-law notices a problem. Mm -hmm. And he said, Jethro comes in and says, hey, Moses, uh, I think you need to decentralize choices <laughs> here. <laughs> now walk through the Bible with me. Yeah, You get to the kings even. Um, the kings always had a prophet walking by their side in an ideal world. You know, in the ideal setup, there was a prophet speaking into the life of the king. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward to the New Testament, and you have the the functions of the pastoral office, office you know, apostle, evangelist, uh, prophet, teacher, etc. Um, so really, there is a lot of giftedness that not all of us hold in any one person. Mm -hmm. Drawing yeah. from each other will be stronger. And then finally, of course, elders and deacons as a model for the New Testament church. And so for me, 
uh, it's funny, you know, it, it's really popular today and feels kind of avant-garde to be polycentric. But I'm questioning and saying, maybe this is really from the beginning of time. Hmm. It's a Trinitarian form of leadership. My guest today on Strike the Match uh, is Joe Hanley. Joe's the uh, president of Asian Access. We, of course, have been talking about his forthcoming book, Polycentric Mission Leadership, tentative title that is. Uh, I want you to keep an eye out, be watching for the release of this book. Uh, I will say it is an innovative work. It is fresh. Uh, it's, uh, It's a unique work. It is on the cutting edge. Joe is talking about an issue uh, that many evangelicals are uh, talking about and addressing on on a global scale. Uh, And when I say global, I am including North America in that conversation as well. And I do believe that you're going to hear more and more about the language of polycentric work, polycentric leadership. And so you want to be on the lookout for this book when it comes out. Joe, uh, I know you're online. Uh, Can you tell us how people can track you down on social media? Oh, sure. It's pretty easy. Just Google Joe Handley. You can find me. But I would say if you're interested in polycentric leadership, look up polycentricleadership.com. So just polycentricleadership.com. You can find me there. You can Google us. Uh, Look up asianaccess.org. All of those will take you somehow, some way to Joe Handley. And I'm pretty accessible. Excellent. Joe, thank you so much for being with us today, brother. It's always great to talk with you, and uh, I'm really excited about what uh, the Lord is doing in this realm of leadership development that you have uh, articulated in this work. Uh, thanks, J.D. Always good to be with you and look forward to hanging again. we got to get coffee sometime. Sounds great. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. You can find JD on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at JD underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.